This morning, let's go to a very familiar place in Scripture, Luke chapter number 2. Luke chapter 2, verse number 15. This verse we have watched for this entire month, uh, taking it to different places in our thoughts and such, but the one that uh, I've chosen to focus on is right here in verse 15. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. My challenge to you has been, in form of encouragement, to move beyond the simple glance at Scripture and at Christmas. We, we want to see, as the shepherds did, as the wise men did. Even last week we talked about Simeon. We, we want a deeper look. A, a more thought-provoking, a more engaged mentally, emotionally, if you will. Uh, from the heart, from the soul. We want to see. See what God has done. To go just beyond the glance. But to see and understand our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you're not satisfied with just the mere surface of what the world would do this time of year. The celebration and such that they set, as you know, much of it is secular. And, and yet at that, even, it's just a, a gloss covering over things. There's decorations and such, and sometimes it resembles something religious. But that's not where we want to be, I hope. We want to dig much deeper and explain much more. Because God has explained in His Word what it means to search for Him. What it means to seek Him with all your heart, with all your soul. Uh... Not as this world thinks, not as the world would do it, but an exercise, truly, as we saw several weeks ago, that demands our heart, that demands our soul, that demands the fullness of our intellect, our will, our emotions, and our devotion. God wants you to seek Him. We have witnessed this several weeks ago when we talked about the shepherds. This verse here in verse number 15. Let us see this thing. See it. Harajo is the Greek word for that. It it's, gives a sight that goes beyond the eyes. It really engages the mind. It's to desire to, per, to perceive something, to, to understand it, to discern what it's about. It goes far beyond just what the eyes can do. But as we've searched out the Word, and I'm just kind of giving you a summary here to start, it involves that heart, it involves the soul, it involves the intellect and all these things. But the shepherds used that word, and there were many other words they could have used. But they wanted to understand it. After all, it took a whole host of angels to declare it. And they had to go and see we saw the same word used in the story of the wise men, too. When they saw the star, 
and then later when they saw the child, when they entered into the house. That same exact word was used there again, where they invested their thoughts. They, they wanted to perceive and understand. What is the star all about? Who is this child we have come to worship? And we found with them, they added something more than just the intellect and the, the, the will and the soul. They also gave of their efforts, for they have traveled from afar. They traveled a great distance in order to know him and to understand better what that star was all about. They were willing to be inconvenienced. And some of you who have traveled this holiday season know what inconvenience is all about. But they were willing to be inconvenienced in order to know him. They didn't spare expenses to travel. They carried wealth with them. And yet when they reached their destination or where they thought it was, they found out they were still about six miles short. And they were willing to go six more miles in order to see this one that the star was telling them of. In their travel, they faced potential danger. Always when you traveled back then, there was the danger. There was the danger of robbers along the way and such. They were carrying treasure with them. There was the danger of going into a king's throne room and telling him there was another king. And then telling him your plans. And telling him, after they said he was in Bethlehem, that they, you were going there too. A king who could follow your travel plans. They were told by God not to return to that king. There's very good reason for that. Now what have we have learned along the way, and the challenge I've set before you in this concept is, in what way do you seek him? Do you seek him with more than just your eyes? Does it involve your heart? Does it involve your soul? Your will? Your emotions? When you seek Him, are you willing to be inconvenienced? Are you willing to pay an expense? Will you go as far as He leads and then be willing to go even further? Will you face danger to see Him, to seek for Him? Consider this. You're not likely to follow a star, are you? But you do have the privilege of seeking the Lord. In what environment are you comfortable with that? One like ours, where society as a whole will say, that's fine, if you want to do that, that's okay with us. Or would you still seek Him in places where no one else will? Where it might even be considered unlawful to seek the Lord? What would you be willing to do to know him better? I ask you that because I don't want to settle just for the mere, the mere presentation of a Christmas time, the mere decorations, the reading of the story. I want more when I seek the Lord. I want to know him. I want to know him. Well, it involves more than just just glancing at the story. When we talked about Simeon last week, Simeon was a man who waited his life from well that we could tell 
in order to see the Messiah. He had been waiting. He believed God had made a promise and would keep it. And I asked you last week, do you believe that same God? Who makes you promises and will keep them? He gave his life, if you will, the time of his life, for an expectation to see the Messiah. Day after day, year after year, the desire to see the Lord. We don't know how many times he entered the temple in order to see him, expecting maybe today's the day. What excitement comes with those thoughts? What drive there is to follow through? In just a few weeks, well, at least one, you set up your New Year's resolutions. How long do they usually last? You say, well, two months is a pretty good deal. Two months? How easily we give up on things when a lot of time is required. Simeon was never told the clock as to when. He just knew that God would keep his word. And there was a man expecting him. So he sought him. He sought him with his time. Another challenge for us this morning. I've asked you to think of your heart. To think of your mind. To think of your soul. To think of your efforts. To think of your will to think of inconveniences, to think of time, and ask whether any of those is too much to give to know him better, to seek him. This morning I want to focus on the one lady who was there in all of these stories. You know who she was. Her name was Mary. And if you want to talk about those who were thoroughly invested in this story, there's Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary gives a new dimension, if you will, to the concept of seeking the Lord that I want to share with you, often expressed in a simple word, pondering. Pondering. Mary's pondering has three aspects that I think are fascinating, and we're going to observe them here this morning. Still in Luke, let's back up to chapter number 1. Luke chapter 1, verse number 26. It says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed, that's the word, wholly disturbed, completely disturbed. You ever feel that before? She was perplexed, very perplexed at this statement, and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. Pondering. Here's an intellectual word for you. Pondering. 
The the word is diologizomai. Diologizomai. Isn't that a fancy sounding word? You say, well, it doesn't mean a thing to me. It goes beyond just considering something. We use the word consider a lot. Oh, I'll consider that. I'll consider that. Usually that's our safe word to give us time to back out of something. Where we say, I'll consider that for a little while. We, we use consider a lot to discuss something, to reason something through. This is a word that we use for such things as that. Dia is the idea of, like the channel that goes through something. It, go, it goes through. And it, it's, it intensifies the word a little bit, but it, it's got some depth to it. it. It's not just hitting a piece of it, but it's going all the way through the topic. And logizomai, if you spell it out, L-O-G-I-Z, and you start spelling it, it sounds like you're logging something. And then you get the word. Because that's the nature of the word. It's to log it. It's to log it. It's, it's where you take inventory. It's where you estimate things. You, you reason them out. You try to understand. And this is the goal of this kind of process. To ponder in this way... It's seeking to come to a conclusion on the point. You want to reach this goal where you reach a conclusion about it. You've thought it through, but you have a desire to come to a conclusion about it. And that's where Mary started in this story. The angel greeted her. That's all he said. The Lord is with you. And she says, well, I've got to ponder that. She thought it completely through, reasoned with it, in order to come to a conclusion about such a matter. She hadn't even heard yet what he had in mind. And she engaged her intellect to the fullest measure. And then in chapter 2 of Luke, verse number 17, the second time the word is going to be brought before us here, says, when they had seen this, this is the shepherds who had entered into the manger scene, when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherd. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. So, okay, I see the word again. Pondering. This now has a different nature to it, by the way. It's a different word. This is the word we use for processing. This is a word where you collect things and combine things together in order to know what is that. The two words, matter of fact, that go right in verse number 19 here. She treasured them. She collected them all together in a pile, if you can picture it that way. She took them together and put them in a pile. She she kept them close together. So she was hearing things about this child. Adding it to what she had heard from the angel. Adding it, no doubt, to what Joseph had shared with her that he had heard in a dream. And here she's starting to collect all these facts before her. She's treasuring all these things. And then, the word ponder here is kind of fun. She takes it and she throws it together. It's the word balo in the Greek. It's fun. 
It means to throw something or to cast something. If you picture the way sometimes you might make a cake, first of all, you take all the ingredients and you throw it, well, you don't throw it in the pan, do you? That could be messy. You, you put it together, but when we use the idea, well, just throw it in there. This is her idea. It's a rather aggressive term, but she's throwing it all together, trying to, to make sense of it. She's disputing it, if you will. It's used for that. It's even used for attacking, by the way. Now, that's a very serious effort in trying to understand something. She's putting it all together, throwing it all together, pondering it, pondering it. Now, because it involves her heart here, pondering them in her heart, she's exercising all of her affections as well. Mixing it in with the intellect that's pondering, and now the heart that's pondering, putting it all together. When's the last time you've taken God's message that far in your desire to know what he said? When's the last time you've done that? To invest not just your mind, but your heart in the fullest measure to understand what he has said. Collecting it, combining it, putting it down, organizing it, processing it, seeking to understand it, we have this thing we call systematic theology. That concept came along years ago. Some people thought, you just can't do that. What do you mean? You take all the verses in Scripture that talk about God. Well, there's a lot of those. But you organize them under different captions, like God's attributes. And then you've got a whole bunch of categories there. You can talk about omniscience. You could talk about his love. You could talk about his holiness. And find all those verses that fit into all those little cubby holes concerning God in his loving kindness or God in his patience. Or You know, the topic is almost endless, isn't it? And then you say, okay, well, I've gotten to know God pretty good. Now what can I do? How about studying God's word? Bibliology is another topic in systematic theology. And what all does it say about the Bible? about its truthfulness, about its eternal nature, about its activeness, and how it separates between soul and spirit. And you study all those verses out, and you get a better understanding of the Bible. And then you say, well, is that it? Oh, no. Put down the doctrines of Jesus Christ. Oh, you've got two topics right there. Jesus, God in the flesh. Christ, he's the Messiah. Start searching those out. Start searching out what it means for his birth, what it means for his death. Then put all the miracles in categories. Put all his teaching in categories. You can see it's getting kind of big, isn't it? And we haven't even touched on the Holy Spirit. We haven't touched on the church, on salvation. We haven't talked about uh, Israel. We haven't talked about all the other topics you can throw in there. Just, what is that? We call that systematic theology. Sounds boring to some people sounds scary if you're in Bible college because you know there's a test but I would ask you this when is the last time you searched out any topic about God that thoroughly that's the word used of Mary here collecting combining to understand systematically working through Working through, working through the message.
to understand it. You impressed? Oh, it gets better. It gets better. So she had a goal, first of all, in her pondering, and that was to come to the conclusion about this matter. And the second was the process of collecting and combining in order to be what, to, for what is known about the process. And then there's one more, one more concept about uh, pondering, and it has to do with securing the information, securing the information for memory purposes, for future use. Another word for pondering that we find considering Mary. Let's go further into the book of Luke. It's all the way down to verse number, oh, let's see, verse 46. Luke 2, verse 46. Here is a great, great situation here. Here Mary and Joseph, it's about 12 years later, She's gone to the temple. She and Joseph gone to the temple, and while they were there in Jerusalem, they spent their time, and they were going back home, and they found Jesus was missing. And they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And they found him. It says in verse 46, after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us in this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he came down with them, and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them, and his mother treasured all these things in her heart. See that word again, treasured? Would you be surprised if I tell you if it's an entirely different word? It's another one. It's another word. This one is to guard something very carefully. To guard it very carefully. To observe it strictly. To keep it in your mind. To keep it in your attention. To keep it under your guard carefully. Here she is securing that information. She's saving it because it's valuable to her. Did she understand it? It says, no, not really. She did not understand what was going on. That conversation was way beyond her. But she says, it's important though, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. I'm I'm going to, to put it where I won't lose it. Keeping it. Where she won't forget it. When I have my students take exams for me and send it to me email style, I tell them to save a copy themselves. Have you ever had an email lost? It's terrible if you've taken an exam and you sent it in and you didn't save a copy and it got lost. So I always say, save a copy. It's always good to save a copy. Most of them do, I think. Secure the information. Don't let it get away. That's the nature of this word, entreasured. What Mary did with it, she treasured it. It's for future use. It's for memory purposes. It engaged her 
ability to think it through that way, to memorize, to, to set it in a place where it wouldn't get away. That's the style of Peter, by the way. If you read his books, his first and second letters, he tells you in Second Peter why he did all he did in writing those. He says, I wrote these things to you in order that you may know. You'll be reminded of these things over and over and over again. And he says, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you again and again and again of these things. So that when I'm gone, you're going to be able to remember them again and again and again. Seeking the Lord has that element too. It's the desire not just to involve the heart for a moment, if you will, of study or worship, or the will, or the emotions, or the efforts, or the soul, or go through the inconveniences, or to go and invest your time to engage your mind deeply on the topic, to treasure it in your heart. To keep it secure in your memory, you say, well, that's an awful lot you're asking. Is it? Is it too much for us to say, why don't we go to God's Word like that? I want to ask you, if this all sounds like work to you, if it sounds like a little more than you're willing to give to the understanding of the Lord and seeking Him, I would ask you, just for a few moments this morning, to consider Mary again. These words were used of her. I've showed you how intense they are. And they are very intense words. Do you think that she had nothing else on her mind? Consider Mary's situation where she was. She had been making marriage plans. You ever done that before? Does it involve a little effort? That's enough on anybody's plate to occupy a great deal of time, money, inconvenience, your heart's engaged. (laughs) Everything about you is involved in trying to set up just that plan. Mary was there. She was engaged to Joseph to be married, right? And then God comes into the picture with a plan. And he tells her, Mary, you're going to be pregnant. Alright, add that to your story. Try pondering that one to understand what she was feeling at that moment. Try to consider this. And then add to this as well. So, Lord, she didn't ask this question, but I wonder, how's Joseph going to find out? How how do we share this with Joseph? Is Joseph going to accept this information? Is Joseph going to be with me in the future? Are those concerns? How's her parents going to think of this? How's her neighbors going to think of this? The townspeople. Ask yourself this question. Some of you ladies would. What about health concerns? Diet changes. A lot of things change. Do you think Mary was oblivious to those things? Body changes? 
You think that doesn't occupy the mind a little bit? Add to the fact that if she was considered to be adulterous, guess what the law called for? Having her stoned to death. With Joseph, it seemed like her biggest worry was that he might divorce her. And he considered it. Some people would have looked at that as a whole story of shame, perhaps. They would not have understood it. Try carrying that on top of your pondering. Can I add more? How about traveling to Bethlehem? Say, oh yeah, we know that story. Oh, it was about 60 miles. Do you know she went there twice? Say, huh? When she first heard the news, where did she go? She ran all the way down to Judea to see Elizabeth. We don't know much about the story of how she got there. It wasn't by bus or plane. 60-mile journey. Now, if you travel like the Jews would have in that day, it's not a straight route. Here you have Nazareth up to the north, and you have kind of rough idea, Judea down here to the south, and you don't go straight, because right in the middle there is the towns and cities of the Samaritans, and they didn't go through the land of Samaria, so they went down and across the Jordan River and down the eastern, or the western side of the Jordan, eastern side of the Jordan River, and they got down toward Jericho, and they crossed the river again into Judea. That's not an easy route. When she first heard the news, she went down to see Elizabeth, spent time there, went back up to Nazareth. Then Joseph came for her and said, we have to go pay taxes. Guess where? Bethlehem of Judea. So across she goes, all the way down. This time she was more like eight, maybe nine, week, or nine months pregnant. You say, but she had a donkey. <laughs> that sounds easy, doesn't it? Alright, so put travel plans. Some of you have traveled and some of you found it very difficult. Put that in your consideration. Then let's ask something else. Was she inconvenienced? Was it costing her money? Well, they were there to register for taxes. They were traveling. They were avoiding Samaria, no doubt. They entered into a town where the inns were crowded. There's no place to stay. Does that ever bother you when you drive into a town and you need to stop? And you find all the rooms are full? Like Enid? Say, where do we go now? Sometimes you're inconvenienced by 20 or 30 miles, aren't you? So were they. They were inconvenienced. The inns were full. There was no place to go. Could you imagine the conversation between her and Joseph? As he'd come back and say, no, there's no room here either. No, there's no room here either. And all she wants to do is say, just get me anything. You ever say that? She's tired. You ever get emotional when you get tired? Just asking you questions this morning. Add to it that there's no terms of doctors in this at all. Even midwives, which was common in their day. We don't have any stories about them. We have a stable. We have a manger. We have Joseph doing his absolute best, no doubt. 
Now, I want to ask you this. Was there enough for Mary to have her mind occupied with all these things going on in her mind? Yet, what do we read of her now three times this morning? She pondered. She pondered. She engaged her mind. She engaged her heart. And she treasured these things and collected them up and kept them Sometimes we say, well, you're asking too much of us, Pastor, to think deeply on Scripture. To look at it a little more with our heart, with a little more of our soul, to invest our will, to be inconvenienced. I just ask you to consider Mary this morning. Because we have, in the record of Scripture, the entire the entire message of good news. Don't we? We have heard that God sent His Son, that His Son was sent to save us from our sins. We have heard that those who trust in Him have everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, a relationship with God, hope, peace, joy. Do you like those things? On what level do you enjoy them? On the surface? As fancy little words you put on a plaque and hang on your wall? Or do you ponder these things that the Lord has done? Ponder the things that the Lord has done. Have you invested in knowing God? Do you seek Him? Do you seek Him? Do you want a deeper walk? A deeper walk with Him? Do you want to understand what great things He has done for you? I just simply ask you to look at your heart this morning, your mind, your soul. I ask you to investigate a little deeper what you put your efforts into, what you are willing to be inconvenienced for because you consider it valuable. What you will give your time to. And I just give you that one word this morning, pondering. And ask you, have you done it? Have you done it? Set a goal. Set a goal to come to a conclusion about the matter. Process it. Collect the information. Categorize it. Combine it. Let's find out what all can be known about this topic. Secure it in your mind. Secure it in your heart as a treasure to you. A treasure. This Christmas day is like no other. Why? Because this is the day that you have a chance to ponder more fully, to know much better than you ever had before what the Lord has done for you. And I encourage you to take the time to know Him, seek Him. Would you do that? Don't promise me. Talk to the Lord about it. Let's do that. Heavenly Father,
You did not give us these things just so we could put a red date on our calendar. You did not just give us a holiday so that we would have a day off. Or that family could collect or that gifts can be given. You did not give us a holiday, Lord, just because you like beautiful music. Or maybe shiny lights. But you gave us your son. Sometimes we invest an awful lot in the trappings and we forget to ponder on the sun. This morning, may, may our thoughts be challenged by the actions of Mary. May our excuses be kicked out from under us like little props we've used for years to say, we're too busy, Lord, we're too busy. We have too much to think about. Today, Lord, it all comes into a clear view before us. You desire those to seek you, for you have sought us first, and you have sent your Son. May we be like the shepherds, and desire to see him. The wise men who wanted to see him. Simeon who wanted to see him. And Mary who pondered who he was. May we be like these that we read of. And may our hearts and lives and may our knowledge of you be different because of it. Thank you, Lord, for loving us first. Thank you for what you have done. We give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.